This is Just a Few Questions. I'm Mark Sims. My guest is Monica Bott. Monica Bott is the Senior Research Director at the University of Chicago Crime Lab and Education Lab. How are you, Dr. Bott? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm so happy that you're here. I really am. So let's get going, uh, uh, Dr. Bai. Uh, for those who don't know, what is the Crime Lab and Education Lab? Uh, the Crime Lab and the Education Lab uh, started here at the University of Chicago back in 2008. And our goal is to really do research in service of uh, the public uh, educational and public sector um, and to help communities uh, thrive. So we really want to make sure that we're doing research in a way that is helpful to policymakers um, and to our public sector partners and the communities that we serve as well, both here in Chicago um, and abroad. And the Education Lab in particular is really committed to harnessing data to advance learning and opportunity for all students. I like the term, what is it called, evidence-based, evidence you know what I'm saying? Not just people like me just pulling stuff out of their, their brain. <laughs> you really do the research. So let, let me, we can get into it, uh, go further up the field, if, but let's start with this. Dr. Monica Bott, would more resources for academic tutoring help reduce neighborhood crime in Chicago? Well, that's a great question, and let's take the pieces of that a little bit separately. So first of all, we know that crime has enormous impacts, not just on those who are directly involved in, for example, gun violence, either as a victim um, or are involved in other ways directly in the violence. And so I think we really need to take seriously what kinds of evidence-based, to your point, interventions we're using to um, both reduce the number of events that happen uh, and also help support those who are directly involved. We also know from some work that our colleague Pat Sharkey has done that every uh, incident of homicide, for example, has indirect effects on those who are around um, you know, that particular incident. So for example, we've been able to quantify just the amount of learning that every homicide incident has just by living in proximity to that incident. We think that kids are losing up to three years um, of learning just by virtue of living in a high violence community. And so it's not hard to imagine that violence takes a toll on all of us in many ways, um, both psychological and otherwise. But for a child who's trying to navigate uh, living in an environment where there are high rates of violence and gun violence in particular, we know that it makes it harder for them to show up at school and to internalize the kinds of lessons that kids should be learning every single day. So that is a problem that we're all trying to grapple with. And here at the University of Chicago Education Lab, we're working on that uh, day in and day out. And we're trying to understand, once a kid is in school, how can we make school as productive as possible? So it's no, uh, I think, secret that we should be worried about the kinds of learning that has been lost uh, not only due to gun violence, as I just mentioned, but also these uh, losses have been exacerbated because of the pandemic. We think that large shares of uh, kids are not uh, achieving at the at grade level or have fallen further behind because remote learning was not um, the optimal educational setting for them. So what do we do? We've got kids who are exposed to high rates of violence involvement 
these um, sort of learning losses have been exacerbated by the pandemic and other stressors that we're experiencing in our society today. But kids are still coming to school. They're still trying. So how can we make school more productive? We've done some research here at the University of Chicago Education Lab in partnership with Saga Education to generate evidence that high dosage tutoring, and I'll explain what that is in just a minute, can be really effective and can double or even triple the amount of math that a student can learn in a particular year. So uh, if we're really serious about equity, about supporting all students and advancing learning and opportunity, then we have to figure out the core technology or the way for some students to learn more than their peers um, in order to close some of these persisting and sort of stubborn, unyielding disparities that we see in education. What high dosage tutoring does and the sort of innovation here is that kids are working, you know, two-on-one, one-on-one with a tutor, um, you know, two-on-one, four-on-one, sorry, with a, with a tutor. Every day in school, they might be spending some of their time on a learning platform like Alex, but they're working and building a relationship with the tutor throughout the school year. It is embedded in the school day. It's daily. It's intensive. Uh, very, very small groups. Um, and it's basically affording a kid personalized instruction. And we think that that ability to learn in that particular setting is, uh, you know, some of the best learning conditions um, that we know of. And there's a lot of research to back that up. But the question is, how can you do that at scale? And we think that high dosage tutoring in the way that we've been able to generate evidence um, here in Chicago with Chicago Public Schools is, is that sort of um, innovation. So Saga's figured out a way to do it every single day in, in a cost-effective way because you can use recent college graduates, retirees, to be able to do this tutoring. So tutoring is not teaching. Um, and it really allows teachers to be supported and to do the really hard work of classroom teaching without having to teach 30 kids at once, some of whom might be doing college-level math and some of whom might be struggling with, um, you know, sixth-grade uh, double-digit addition. And so if you're a teacher, you've got to teach all 30 of those kids all at once. When you're a tutor, you can meet the student where they are and work on just the problems that they might be uh, needing help with and just the skills that they might need uh, help with. So what we did is we did a, a series of randomized control trials, uh, which is the gold standard of generating evidence to try to isolate the impact of a program. Uh, with about 2,500 kids in 2013-14 uh, here in Chicago, and then we did another one in 2014-15. And since then, we've done six or seven different randomized control trials trying to understand whether or not this, um, this approach of tutoring that I just described is effective. What we found is that over and over again, we see huge gains for students when they learn in this kind of a setting, and that these results are not true just for ninth grade algebra, which is the first set of studies we did. Um, we see big gains in ninth grade algebra. We see big gains um, for first graders in literacy. There's been uh, a review of lots of different research studies, um, so it's called a, a meta-analysis, which is just a, a fancy term that's uh, taking a lot of different research studies and putting them all together and seeing what story that tells us. And we think that based on all of this evidence and the weight of all of this evidence collected together, that tutoring is one of the most effective uh, educational interventions that we can find. So we care a lot about student learning, 
We care a lot about mitigating the harms of trauma exposure outside of the school building. And finally, we think that we know uh, what works. Um, so, you know, I'm an education researcher. For a long time, we've been kind of wringing our hands and searching around for what works. In this case, I do think that we know what works. And so the question is, how can we scale it in a way that is systematic and maintains its effectiveness um, no matter what? So you mentioned resources in your in your first question. And I think this is this is the key. So as part of the America Rescue Plan um, funding, School districts have gotten billions of dollars, and Chicago Public Schools itself got about $512 million uh, specifically to address learning loss. As part of that, and, and based in part on the weight of the evidence uh, that we have generated here in Chicago, CPS is like the first of its kind, I think, in the country to stand up the Chicago Public Schools Tutor Corps. And what they're trying to do is institutionalize this evidence-based practice it seems to really help to support student learning. So students and schools who receive tutors, um, students in those schools will get tutoring about three times a week for 30 minutes each. And the idea is that you're trying to get this individualized instruction so that you have an entry point into learning from where you start. We think one of the reasons that this uh, intervention is so effective, uh, again, I mentioned that we've done a series of randomized control trials. So we did it once. We tried it again, and the results still held. We did it with first graders and literacy, and the results still held. We did it in New York. Um, we did it in other jurisdictions. We looked at this uh, study of studies that our colleague Phil Oriopoulos and, and his colleagues wrote up. Um, and so we think that this is a very, very effective practice. We've also tried to understand how far you can stretch a dollar. So I'll explain what that means. Um, there's been a huge infusion of resources into high dosage tutoring thanks to the America Rescue Plan. And I think that that infusion of resources has led to a big investment in high dosage tutoring. The question is, even if you were able to put uh, this much money into high dosage tutoring, like, like Chicago Public Schools is putting $50 million into their tutor core, you're still only able to serve about 5% of your student body with high dosage tutoring. So even with this huge influx of resources, the question remains, how can we make sure all students have access to this kind of tutoring in any subject that they might need? And so that's really the work that we're focused on. We did a subsequent study, uh, again, with Saga Education to say, OK, we have generated huge gains when a student works with a tutor in a ratio of two students to one tutor. What if we had four students to one tutor and they spent half the time on a learning platform like you know, Alex Math or Khan Academy, and then half the time with the tutor. Can we still have just as effective of a program in terms of student learning, but at half the cost? And it turns out that the answer to that question seems to be yes, um, at least based on the study that we've done here in Chicago and New York. It was another randomized control trial of about uh, 2,000 students. And so we think that that provides sort of promising evidence about how we can take this really, really effective practice at supporting students' learning and, and scale it up. And I think that's really the work uh, that we are focused on here at the University of Chicago Education Lab is now that we think that this works, how can we take it to scale so even more students can benefit, including students who are uh, experiencing just unfathomable traumatic events and that, outside and that's of the question i was going, i was just waiting just to say this 
there's the because I've you know I've been to Chicago public schools. I went through the schools you know back in the day, uh, and I had I had tutoring in grammar school. I had tutoring in, high, in grammar school, but I went on to fail pre-algebra in high school in uh, 1977. and went on to, to drop out of high school. So I, w- I see all these great things, and I I can't argue with the University of Chicago. How can you? But how does you, how does the system, the CPS, and maybe you've done the studies on this, how can the CPS or any uh, education uh, system, um, those students fall through the cracks. Those students who go through certain programs, maybe not this one, the high dosage tutoring, but they go through all kinds of programs and they still fall through the cracks and become neighborhood criminals. And it's only a few hundred, maybe a few thousand, if you want to go that far, that really fall through the cracks. How do we, how do we prevent that? How do we scale that? That's a great question. And, you know, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about some work we've done on this, uh, really thinking about who are the students for whom Chicago Public Schools is uh, not serving as well as they maybe could have. And so uh, the way to think about this is, you know, we talk a lot about our education system being in crisis. Uh, It's like a very common thing, uh, headline that you might read. But the truth is that for most kids, the education system is working really well, and it's working as designed. So the United States has one of the highest uh, educational achievement rates and graduation rates from high school um, in the world in terms of OECD countries. Um, Here in Chicago Public Schools, we've seen the graduation rate increase from, you know, 55% in 2007 all the way to like 83% in 2020. And so We've made a lot of progress and we're doing quite well, but what we're focused on here at the Education Lab is how to support the approximately 4,500 students every year um, who are not benefiting from that progress. And we're really concerned about how the system is supporting or not these students. One thing that we've found is um, that many of those 4,500 students are actually concentrated in Chicago's alternative or option schools. And so there was a big expansion in option schools to actually try to support uh, students who are dropping out of neighborhood schools uh, back in 2011, you know, the 2012. And we have seen that these schools do help to support students staying in school um, to some extent. But the, the question is really how do you support a student's, you know, learning an opportunity regardless of what school they're going into, an alternative school or a neighborhood school and so I think part of that is just about having an eagle view into where kids are you know where are they enrolled how many days when they're switching between schools you know Chicago is a school choice uh, district when they're switching between schools how many days are they missing as a result of that transition how are they being supported through that transition and so these are the questions that we've been asking um, as part of this work with Chicago Public Schools and the Chicago Student Success Initiative. I actually think that tutoring is one important piece of that because when you're asking a kid to go to school, if a kid is dropping out, in some ways they might be exercising their that agency. They might be saying, look, I don't, I, uh, don't see what the school is offering to me that feels really helpful. We've done a lot of interviews with uh, students in options or alternative schools where they would talk about how they weren't learning anything in their math class um, and that it wasn't really helping them based on what they needed. I think tutoring is one way to individualize or to personalize what a student might need and give them an entry point so that they're seeing how 
how good they can be at school. So we did, in, as part of these tutoring studies, for example, we did a large-scale survey for those who were offered tutoring and those who weren't. And we saw um, much higher rates of uh, something called self-efficacy. So kids felt like they were better at school, that they were better at math. And they were more likely to say, yes, I'm good at school, I'm good at math, when they were receiving tutoring. And I think that's really important in terms of this attachment to schooling that could um, actually lead uh, to lower rates of dropout in the future because kids are see the value of learning and they know that they themselves can do it. And so I think that that is a factor that we know creates hope, um, which is really important as well. Dr. Bot, I commend you and the Crime Lab and the Education Lab's research because we needed to solve this crime problem in Chicago. Thank you so much for being my guest on Just a Few Questions. Thank you so much for having me, Mark.